You're listening to The Voice. Benvenuti a Leuven. Leuven, you. Добро пожаловать в Leuven. Bienvenue à Leuven. Willkommen in Leuven. Leuven에 오신 걸 환영합니다. Welcome in Leuven. Hello, everybody. This is The Voice on Radio. Today, we are May 1st, and I will be your host for this evening, Philip. And of course, I am joined by Maria. How are you, Maria? Hi, Philip. I'm fine, trying to get productive in my time at home right now. And I'm very excited to be here today. This is my first radio show, so I'm very anxious too, but uh, very happy to be with you this afternoon. Yeah, so um, as probably everybody knows, right now we're not in our studio anymore recording. So we're doing it through through Skype, actually, because, well, we had some... Some issues with Zoom, and not only us, but also pretty much everybody from the planet because of security issues. But we found just Skype a little bit better to to record. Um, But anyways, well, I think it could be nice probably to give everybody an overview of what's going on uh, in the world, but not necessarily related to, well, well, to the period we're all going through. So, our first news comes from SpaceX, which is the largest private satellite operator in history, who last week, um, on April 22nd, managed to launch another 60 satellites uh, into their Starlink satellite constellation aboard a Falcon Heavy rocket. So, if you guys don't know, Starlink is actually an initiative brought forward by SpaceX, which aims at building a global communication system that will provide global Wi-Fi anywhere on Earth. And I'm telling you this because it's really exciting. Uh, It's something that that aims to provide Internet to the most remote areas of the world where Internet wouldn't be available otherwise and offers a very cheap alternative, um, I would say. So SpaceX is currently aiming to have all of their 12,000 satellites deployed by 2020, and they want to target the entire globe by 2021. Just think for comparison, the mere... 2,000 satellites we have in operation right now in our orbit. I mean, 12,000 versus 2,000, it's it's absolutely crazy. In other news, there is a ban on cigarettes in uh, South Africa that actually has been lifted. So I don't know if many people know, but South Africa is one of the countries that had the most harsh um, precautions, let's say, against the virus. And their idea was simple. Ban all the alcoholic drinks and cigarettes. And you'll prevent drunk fights, you'll reduce domestic violence, you will stop drunk driving, you'll eliminate the weekend drinks, which are so prevalent across South Africa. And the South African government, as I was mentioning before, even banned cigarettes to prevent all of these things. However, uh, a few a few days ago, they announced that they will be lifting this ban on cigarettes due to the steady progress we are making right now against the virus. Our next news comes from CNN website. Dutch Kurt allows euthanasia in advanced dementia cases. The Netherlands became the first country in the world to legalize euthanasia, and that happened in 2002. In 2016, a nursing home doctor ended the life of a 74-year-old woman suffering from dementia, and it was started a disciplinary case against the doctor even if the woman wrote a directive asking for euthanasia. On Tuesday, the Netherlands Higher Court ruled that doctors can carry out euthanasia in patients with advanced dementia if the patient has made a written directive before the development of advanced dementia. 
From now on, doctors will no longer be punishable for this reason. And the last news comes from the Brussels Times. The National Crisis Center updated its guidelines, so from now on, animal hotels and shelters can reopen to members of the public. This means that organizations running an animal refuge allow to re- receive people who wish to adopt a pet, but only on an appointment basis. And volunteers were also allowed to help in the shelters again. Obviously, people must follow social distancing rules as much as possible. This was all for today's news. And, well, let's go and give you guys a quick recap of the last shows. So, two weeks ago, you heard a show about Latin America. So, entitled Journey Through Latin America, the South to North, Discovering Latino American Lands Through Their Music. Of course, by my good friend Nicholas and by Stephanie. So it's really a beautiful show in which both Nicholas and Stephanie, they highlight the beauty, uh, well, the Spanish-speaking countries of South America have. And this is seen through the perspective of their music, but also through their culture. And last week, we had a radio show both by Nicholas and Stephanie as well, called Latino American Protest, Music as a Tool for Objection and Social Awareness. So I'm not going to give you too many spoilers on the contents of the show itself, but, well, you'll have to listen to it to find out. Um, And again, we'll be discussing all of our social media after the break, but before that, we'll be transitioning to our first song. And actually, I even forgot to mention the theme of the song theme that we have for today. So because we'll have a Romanian guest as well, and I, as I am, well, I consider myself a little bit Romanian, I have to say, we'll be having a Romanian-themed show. So, enjoy the first song called Dush Dush by Fanfare Chocorilla.
And we're back. This was Douche Douche by Fanfare Chokerlia. Um, I hope everybody enjoyed it. It's We wanted to really highlight, well, the essence of Romanian music. And Fanfare Chokerlia, it's really, uh, well, it's a very... It's a very Romanian band, and I hope you guys can can hear it through all the percussion and all the instruments in general, actually. But uh, maybe it would be a nice time to highlight our social media. So everybody can find us on Facebook at The Voice International Student Publication. You can find us on Instagram at thevoice.kuluvin. You can listen to all of our shows on Spotify at The Voice on Radio with a small exclamation mark at the end. Or just search The Voice KU Leuven because Spotify sometimes, well, it doesn't, sometimes it just doesn't show us uh, in, the, in the search bar. Then we are also on podcast.com and mixcloud.com under the name The Voice on Radio with a small exclamation mark. And finally, you can read all of our articles on our website, thevoicekuleuven.be. So for articles, I mentioned that, well, you can all go on our website and see our articles. So I think it's time to maybe present uh, the articles that we have so far. The first one is, comes from Anita Lombardo, who is a frequent guest on our, on our shows. Uh, so it's called An Iron-Based Recipe Against Climate Change. I will not give too many details away, but it's basically, it talks about a technique that we can, that we can use essentially to, to make oceans absorb carbon dioxide. Then we have an article from David Adibaud called uh, How the Brain Works. So I'm guessing, well, it's pretty self-explanatory, but I'm sure you will enjoy it. And it goes a little bit through some topics that you might not even think of initially, but it's very cool. Then we have an article uh, about the impact of COVID-19 on the research in KU Leuven. And finally, we've got an article from the Opinions and Politics section called How COVID-19 Has Been Handled So Far. So this was it for the articles themselves. And also, I cannot finish this section without mentioning, of course, uh, our new Instagram, let's say, subpage called Word on the Strat. So Word underscore on underscore D-E underscore Strat. So S-T-R-A-A-T. And essentially, it's well, it's a collection of several texts that our our um, our writer Adele writes every day, and it, it's basically very nice to to see yeah the dynamic of them, how they change day to day, and well, just check it out for yourself. I'm sure you'll enjoy it. Um, so the main theme for today's for today's show is psychology. Uh, so you'll be hearing more after the break because we've got a very special guest that will join us. Uh, but before that, we'll be going on to our break. So the next song that you're going to hear is Doi Fuaye by Subkarpati. Yeah. 
Pune mâna și scrie, mă inspiră la vers Puțină tristețe și bucurie Scrie, mă inspiră la vers Cel mai mare poet exact Pune mâna și cântă, mare cadou Păcat că nu simți ce simt și eu Pune mâna, creează, atâta dumneavoastră Îndemână, conectează, ideea ta poate vii de casă albează Pune pe sura mână, pune creionul Fă un tablou, arată-ne omul Cât de frumos poate fi în această satiră Pune mâna și luptă, antrenamente Stai focusat, ai de câștigat un campionat Stai focusat și o să duci totul la rangul de artă Pune mâna, visează de dimineață Stai focusat, hai de câștigat o viață Stai focusat și o să duci totul la rangul de artă Ce? Schimbă decorul, implică-te Alungă-ți norul, ridică-te Am un secret ca să-ți treci la maxi clipele Ce? Respiră și gândește limpede Nu totul pornește din intelect Până și în inimă ai strigă-te Prin creativitate se exprimă ce se reprimă în timp Dacă nu vezi și oglinzi, te reflectezi și schimbi Revaluezi și te plimbi, fie că vrei să scrii Sau pictezi ziduri, filtru cu tine zi de zi cu bun simt și umil Și iartă-ta va înflori ca și un trandafir Cine nu te înțelege se va alege cu spin Cine știe să preceze o va respecta privind Tot ce-ți rămâne e să semene anotimp de anotimp Fie echilibra și stai focusa, pune pasiune, ascultă-ți inima Nu te limita, ai o misiune, ritmul Determinare, redare, de idei, jucale, mesaje pure și clare Împărțite din alergare, mișcare, formele sale, fenomenale Modul cum, cum? Omul creează o stare ce formează omul care repoare Erori fatale și vrea numai vindecare Nu tipare, banale, canale, paravane, parale Fii cartea, cititorul și autorul, frățioare Timpul bate o priubire, aici pune bate în inim ziua Rătăcesc asta în befirea, mai bine decât să mor zilnic Doar dărmâi cu amintirea, că ai ajuns să fii scripirea Ce prinde în alții omenia, să fii mulțumit
And we are back after the break. This was Dei Fuale by Subcarpati. So as I told you before, they're, they're really an amazing band, but I think it's time to get on to our main topic of the day. And what better time to introduce our next guest than now? So welcome, Vanessa, to the show. How are you? Hi, uh, I'm glad to be here. Thanks, thanks so much for coming. So we were thinking today that it would be very nice to talk about these times of self-isolation and, and yeah, ways to kind of understand what the effects of self-isolation are on, the, well, on our minds, but also to try to give some, some ways to improve your daily lives. So, yeah, self-isolation, it's a tough time. Why is it a tough time, Vanessa, for, for people? Well, indeed, it's a tough time. It means that lots of us are staying at home. We have, like, minimal social contact. And it's quite easy to start feeling somewhat tired and maybe even a bit depressed. And I'd say that the very important cause for these feelings would be the fact that we do not have a clear delimitation between our work time and our free time because we're home and these two areas of our lives can start getting mixed up and then this affects our work productivity but also doesn't allow us to rest properly. Okay, and actually t talking about productivity, so you're, you're saying that people tend to be less productive right now, correct? And why do you think that is again? Well, before being in this self-isolation situation, most of us, at least those that are not working from home, used to like wake up in the morning or whatever and get ready for work, dress up, eat breakfast, and then go and have like sort of a designated place where they would work, basically. And nowadays, it's quite different in the sense that you're home and the home is the place you previously associated with uh, more relaxing activities and your free time. But since there's no delimitation between these two activities now, it's very easy to, as I said, mix them up. And instead of having a clear schedule, having a more disorganized one. One of the main reasons I actually came back to Romania was, okay, well, my mom, first of all, really wanted me to come back. But I was debating whether to come back or not, because we can use social media, of course, to, to socialize with, with our family. But it's not the same, is it? I mean, what are like the negative social impacts that this period may have uh, on our mind, ultimately? So nowadays, of course, because we have to isolate ourselves because of the whole virus thing, most of our interactions are digital, like phone calls, Zoom calls, Skype calls. And it, it might feel quite unnatural, and that's perfectly normal. Uh, first of all, with phone calls, you miss a lot of like facial expressions, body language, cues, and stuff like that, which it might not be a problem for video calls such as Skype or Zoom, but nonetheless, it's not as natural as having a real-life interaction. And I think the most effective affected social interaction would be the group meetings and things like that because uh, they're completely different in a Zoom environment. And I think that's because when you are having a real life meeting with a group of people, 
you're not always talking to all of them. You might start a conversation with someone, like a close friend or someone that can then slowly gain the group's attention and basically in a Zoom or Skype conference with your friends or with a group of people, you are missing this because you cannot start talking to just one person in particular without stopping everyone. So group conversations via digital environments are less dynamic in this sense. Yeah, and there's also this this lack of maybe physical contact as well because you know sometimes you you, you know touch a friend or something, so it 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 does make the conversation a little seem more unnatural. Uh, exactly. But do you think we'll ever get to a point where this kind of this interaction on social media will get good enough uh, to the point where it's equivalent, let's say, to to, well, to physical interaction? I. I think there are certain things that might might make this type of meetings more realistic. Like if you'd normally go out for a drink with your friends, you can enjoy, you know, a drink uh, at home, but like together, you could do uh, some sort of activities together, like let's say watch a movie and someone shares the screen or you're doing uh, workout workouts and yoga together, things like that. The, the idea that you're doing the same thing as your friend, as your friends might, might make it a bit more realistic. And so I also would like to know, um, so does this, in, does our interaction through Skype or Zoom or all sorts of platforms make it harder for us to talk about things. So do things come as naturally as in real life when talking through uh, through these platforms? Well, I think they come less natural. Um, as I said before, with video calls, you kind of, you are able to see the others like facial expressions and body language cues. But again, as you said, it's not as realistic as being face to face with a person. And also what I personally think, and I think it's a struggle for everyone, uh, digital environments aren't always functioning properly. There are delays, your microphone isn't working, your microphone is delayed and things like that, which kind of add an unnecessary layer of stress because you always have to make sure that uh, all these conditions are optimal and so that you can have an actual conversation. So I think it's hard to reach the same level of naturalness through the digital environments. Yeah, so as, as you guys actually probably know, as we mentioned earlier, uh, we're recording this, well, digitally, of course. And well, for me, it's you know, it's a little things come a little bit more unnaturally since we're not at the studio and we can't I don't know. There's just something to it. But Maria, what would your opinion be? How How is it? How is this experience with interacting through uh, through these platforms like Zoom and Skype? I really agree with you, Vanessa, and with you, Philip. You explained very well what uh, is going on uh, in this time with the Skype call and Zoom call. And uh, I think it is... Uh, complementary thing to have conversation via Skype. 
is not a substitute of uh, social, direct social interaction. And uh, I indeed prefer direct interaction than technological interaction. Uh, I think it's more complete, more enriching. You can view the whole environment and uh, with, uh, soci- uh, with um, Skype interaction or Zoom interaction, uh, you can't see what's happened in others' environment place. So I think that's a point that is difficult to, to manage. So how, how is your experience personally with, uh, with discussing with people? Um, are you comfortable with it? Or if, if you're not comfortable with it, why do you think people are uncomfortable uh, talking through through Skype. At or... first, uh, I'm not very comfortable, but now that I have lots of uh, Skype call or Zoom call, I become comfortable with this kind of conversation. And uh, I think it's really strange to have conversation with professors and some authoritarian people, uh, like your supervisor. Uh, because you enter in their daily life. They have children, for example, that come into the room during this conversation. So I think uh, that uh, uh, in one hand, uh, there is uh, a delay between you and the other person. But uh, on the other hand, there is like a a cut in this delay because uh, you enter in others' daily life and personal environment. Okay. And well, why would people feel uncomfortable? Because I know that you were mentioning that you don't like seeing your face, for example, when talking to a group of people. So could you elaborate on that? A yeah, little bit? because um, I really, uh, for me, it's very important what other people uh, think about me. And so watch my face uh, is like to control what uh, I say and what I'm saying and also how I'm saying that things. So how my mouth is moving, my face, my expression. And uh, so I think sometimes I focus too much on me and not uh, how much I want uh, to the other people that are talking in that moment. So I think that is uh, a thing that I want to to get better to myself way of conversation. Okay, and shifting a little bit the the conversation to well towards another path. Um, are there any reliable techniques that people can use to to actually improve their well their daily lives? Well, uh, I actually thought of some tips based on the cognitive behavioral therapy. And the thing with this th- therapy, CBT for short, is that usually people overlook the importance of one's behavior in psychotherapy, but they, they think it's only about your cognition, so your mindset, your thoughts. But behavior is actually just as important. And as an example, there are studies that show how forcing yourself to smile can actually boost your mood. And CBT uses this principle, but of course on a more complex level. Because what you do ultimately contributes to your self-image, which then influences your mood. And yeah, basically on CBT, I thought of three tips to perhaps help us get through this period a bit better. 
And the first one would be to create a routine. And remember how I was talking about this lack of demarcation between your work time and your relaxation time? Well, I think if you impose a sort if you impose a schedule on yourself and let's say work in this time interval and then relax, enjoy your free time in that time interval, it could actually make you relax better because you know that in that time you don't have to worry about work. And also this would make you more productive on the long term. And what would help with creating this delimitation between work and free time would be changing from your pajamas, even though you're staying at home and you might have the tendency to stay in your pajamas all day, putting on some different, of course, still comfortable clothes could actually help. Uh, Second of all, I think working out, you probably heard this a lot, would help boost your mood. Uh, Actually, people who suffer from depression are encouraged by psychologists to start doing some sport because the endorphins that are released by the body when you do physical activities actually boost your mood. And it doesn't have to be too intense. It can be just like 10 minutes of physical activity per day. Uh, Well, in a way, workout is also like a way to, well, to not think about work anymore, right? So it's kind of relating to what you were saying before. And I mean, there's examples everywhere of what you were saying before, like a lot of people are constantly tired because of the fact that every, every time they try and relax, they still think of work. So effectively they're working all day, pretty much instead of just, yeah, clearly setting some times to just think of nothing or think of completely unrelated stuff. So that was just a comment that I wanted to, to add there. Yeah, as you said, it's very important, especially the thing that you mentioned earlier of making your bedroom a sleeping-only place and not bringing like your laptop in your bed or things like that. This type of this type of things help with uh, creating that demarcation between work life and your free time, which is very important. It's very important to psychologically detach yourself from work when you want to enjoy your free time. And lastly, speaking about free time, uh, since some of us, I suppose, might have some more free time on their hands, I think investing in your like hobbies or picking up a new hobby if you feel like it is also helpful in making you feel good and productive and then ultimately boosting up your mood and easing yeah your stay through this unpleasant period and what are some some nice routines that or some what are some nice hobbies that people could possibly take on well that's personal of course what i find relaxing and also super practical because you have to do it anyways would be cooking because it can actually yeah be quite relaxing and Yeah, you have to eat and actually perhaps spending a bit more time into your cooking might, yeah, you you might get better food out of it. And of course, that can be fun. I also recommend perhaps learning something new, like YouTube has uh, many good sources like Vsauce or Crash Course. Uh, There's Skillshare where you can buy a membership and 
then you have some online classes there. Uh, Duolingo if you want to study a new language. And also something that I recently joined was Openbox, which uh, a friend of mine, Matei Simeon, started. And he was previously on the show and talked about talk a bit about uh, his project. It's basically a Facebook page and Matei gathered some of his friends, which are all university students. And we are writing some short Facebook posts about uh, different fields that interest us in order to spark up interest to other people who might uh, enjoy these subjects. And so actually, I would like to come come a little bit yeah, back to well, the actual psychology, I guess, of things. Um, but I have a friend, basically, and I think it's, it's the case for a lot of people who one day feel productive and one day feel very depressed or very... I don't know, I wouldn't put it lazy, but just don't feel well. So what would be a kind of technique that you could use to kind of, I don't know, maybe boost your mood up or make yourself more productive? Is there anything you can do to, yeah, make us feel happier uh, at the start of the day, for example? Someday, because someday I feel very productive and I want to start lots of new things. But on the contrary, other days I feel lethargic and totally unproductive. And that this period, <laughs> so uh, I have to thinking about past days. And usually uh, I start a few weeks ago to do stretching routine in the morning after breakfast. And I uh, discovered that uh, this helped me a lot to relax myself, my my tension, especially in the neck. So if you feel the same, I, I suggest you to do a stretching routine. Uh, at least 15 minutes is very useful. Uh, and now I, I do uh, 30 minutes of stretching routine and this is very useful for me. And then I, I order uh, some books from Amazon. So I start reading uh, them and uh, it help, helps me also to, to focus on my thoughts. Uh, if there is some, um, uh, some books that are very uh, like uh, philosophy books uh, or something like that, but also to to go out uh, of uh, negative thoughts if I read uh, like um, short stories, uh, books, uh, so uh, that's it. And um, I really like cooking. So I think to try and to experiment yourself in cooking something new, also something that is that you think is too difficult for you, I think is very challenging and uh, give you lots of satisfaction and uh, if if you uh, if you want to try this I think it's a really good idea so Vanessa I know you're a very proud user of agendas and like kind of uh, notebooks I guess if I can put it that way to to wrote to, to write down well to structure your days or your weeks or whatever so tell us a little bit why why did you start it and how did it improve you and, and and how you spend your days well i suppose it started 
Well, I suppose I've been also writing to-do lists for myself. I find it very <laughs> satisfying to tick off a task that I just did or something like that. And I started a few years ago actually investing in a notebook, especially for this, because it's also very fun to, you know, add some drawings or paintings or make everything look nice and aesthetically pleasing. Uh, it was kind of a way for me to combine my passion for like painting and drawing and also, yeah, helping me staying organized. And some tips that I would have for other people who might want to start like having a, an agenda with like to-do lists and just organize their time would be to not make it too strict as in not put everything by hours and not have too many tasks because it can as motivating as ticking off things that you manage to accomplish during a day can be it can be very demotivating to have a long list of tasks but to not be able to manage them because of course there's a lot of them so i would just have like two or three main tasks that I would want to accomplish in a day. And I would also try to do them earlier in the day so that, you know, if I plan to do them in the evening, then at least for me, I would think about it all day and I would not be, and I would not be able to properly take my mind off it. Whereas if I do it in the morning, I will feel productive because I already accomplished something at the beginning of the day and that makes the whole day a bit better for me. And also I can f fully enjoy my free time afterwards because it's not something on my mind. And something that might seem very small, but it's also very important, is that when you're done with working in a day, shutting off your laptop and not just closing it can actually, again, contribute to this clear demarcation between your work time and your free time. Yeah, and something that I do actually, in well, after I finish working is also always cleaning my desk completely. So, okay, I have notebooks during the day and uh, pencils and calculators because I'm studying engineering for some reason. And every time I just want to get rid of everything so that in the morning I just start fresh and that, you know, I completely don't think about work. So, yeah. Um, so... For me, I can I can say that I use a few things, uh, a few like small details, as you were mentioning, to well to feel better during the day. So usually, what I do is I, I start when I wake up is I basically say positive words. I mean, I know it may sound very funny to some of you, but it's true. I mean, it it really helps, and I don't know. There's this concept of uh, visual visualization, right? So, what is your opinion on that? Does does this actually I mean, is this actually a thing that works? Well, there is this finding that um, the retrieval of memories is mood dependent. So let's say if you're in a good mood, you will easily remember good memories, pleasant memories. 
Whereas when you're in a bad mood, you will remember like unpleasant memories more easily. And I think that in the same way, visualization, I do not know uh, lots of things about it, but visualizing positive things can actually improve this, improve your mood in the same way. Uh, that's what, that's how I think it might work. Yeah, I think very useful to, I have um, a blackboard on my on my wall in my room so uh, i think it's very very useful to write down something that you want to do and at the end of the day or of the week it depends you can tick if you did or not and i think that uh, uh, a guilty uh, a guilty feeling of not doing of doing nothing uh give you the um, the energy to to say okay next day i want to do this because today i felt so guilty not to do anything so i think is useful and also uh that helps you to feel very proud of yourself if you take all the all the things that you are writing down so that's um, how i i i used to do so talking a little bit about schedules and routines, how how does this period affect our sleep routine, which is so important to all of us? Well, I think that since we don't really have to go out of the house, I mean, we're actually <laughs> not supposed to go out of the house, uh, many of us might actually have a disorganized sleeping schedule because... We don't have to be anywhere in the morning, so we might just go to bed late and then wake up late. So actually, while discussing sleep, I think it, it would be nice also to talk about what you should not do maybe before sleeping. So there's a lot of people that use their phones before sleeping, including myself. So is there any consensus, any consensus on why this would be considered well negative for, for all of us? I think that what helps us in getting, you know, sleepy at the right time of the day is the amount of light that we're exposed to. And if you think about it like evolutionary, let's say, uh, the darkness is usually associated with like uh, our the time in which we are usually supposed to sleep. So if you, let's say, expose your eyes to, um, if you expose yourself to sources of light, like phones or laptops or TVs, that might actually confuse this biological system. And that's why you might not feel as rested when you wake up the next morning and you might it might be harder for you to fall asleep and actually of course it's perhaps hard to not use your phone before sleep uh, you can at least decrease the luminosity or perhaps activate like the blue light filter and that might be helpful and so another thing that would also be helpful to avoid before sleep would be getting yourself agitated, uh, like watching an intense movie or playing video games 
can make you feel quite restless and that may make falling asleep more difficult and then make you waking and then make you feel less rested when you wake up and also i wanted to ask you since i i'm not really into this this field um let's suppose i spend the whole day learning for let's suppose i'm the i'm in the exam period which is coming in in one month now um and i learn the whole day and i have a lot of things in my mind and then in the evening i decide to to go on my phone the last hour before sleep i just stay on my phone and then go to sleep is this a good idea would it affect the way information is stored in my mind during the night or it does it affect my quality of sleep in any way i don't think uh, it works properly like this but uh, i think that i can say about that is that um if you try to repeat uh, something that you uh, want to learn um strictly before you go to bed it is useful to remember it but if you uh, study all day and then uh, use the phone before going to bed um i don't think uh, uh, it's difficult or in, there is some interfer interference of what you study during the day and also talking about studying and sleeping i suppose some people or more people uh might feel like studying the whole night before the exam should be effective because wait you studied it because you studied it recently then it should be easier to recall however as maria said earlier sleeping is very important for your memory so if you do not sleep the night before an exam it will actually be more difficult more difficult to recall the certain things you struggle to study the night before and on top of that you will feel more tired yeah and it's 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 really incredible sometimes when i just realize that our brain is capable of storing so much i mean sometimes i'm amazed how I study the whole day something I study like whatever six seven chapters and then before going to sleep I think okay there's no way everything will be in my mind tomorrow but then I wake up and I can just remember things exactly as clearly as before going to sleep it's it's really it blows my mind sometimes and relating to that I wanted to ask you what can we do to stop procrastinating which is the biggest issue that we're all facing right now and especially in this period. Well, I think the hardest thing about getting something done is actually starting. So, let's say you you're feeling very lazy and unmotivated to work out. Something that helps me quite a lot is in the morning instead of dressing up with like regular clothes i put on my workout clothes and that kind of gets me halfway there and then i'm uh later in the day i'm like okay i'm already dressed up for it so might as well spend 20 minutes doing it and it can be the same with studying let's say you have to study one whole chapter and maybe you will say to yourself okay i will read the first five pages After you read those five pages, you will find it very easy to continue. 
So I think the most important thing about procrastination is realizing that the hardest part is, yeah, actually starting to do something. Um, So I just have some days for some reason when I don't really do anything during the day and I still feel tired. I don't know why that is. Could is is there a reason for this? Like why I feel so so tired even though I wasn't productive, I didn't do anything. Can you can you explain this in a way? Yeah, I think it's like uh, an uh, atrophization of our brain because our brain needs to be creative, to be um, stimulated by the environment and new things. So if we, if we do uh, all day the same things and uh, if we do nothing, it's like uh, uh, our brain says, uh, uh, what's happened? What, why you did nothing this day? So I think this is uh, this have an influence of of uh, on uh, our physical tiredness. Okay. Well, I think this was all I wanted to talk about actually uh, for this section. So, well, of course I would like to talk more, but we're in. Uh, yeah, we don't have enough time. But maybe it would be nice to go on to a little break and we're going to hear something by actually why don't i pass the torch to you so you can introduce this, the the song vanessa what are we going to hear next yeah sure so uh i chose this song called Manui by cum and in that's in romanian and it means don't tell anyone and i really like this band they're a romanian band from cluj they're a rock they're an They're an alternative rock band from Cluj and I really like them because they have something special about their songs Uh, and this song in particular has some subtle Romanian influences without it it sounding like uh, popular music.
Okay, everybody, we're back. This is The Voice on Radio, and the song that you just heard is Sanus Poini Manui, Don't Tell Anyone, by the band, by the Romanian band, Kum. So, we were talking a little bit before about habits and about things that we can improve to make our daily lives better. But let's maybe, yeah, change the paradigm a little bit and talk a bit about personality tests. So, Vanessa, I know that you're a little bit into it or that you've studied it at least. So, can you give us like a rundown of the history of personality tests? So, where did they begin? So, the so personality tests and theories uh, have been around for quite some time actually. And the first one was in the year 370 before Christ. Uh, it was invented by the father of medicine, Hippocrates, and he devised the theory about the four temperaments based on the based on our four, let's say, main bodily fluids. And basically, what he said was that the amount of the bodily fluids that we have inside of us actually dictates how we behave and how our personality manifests itself. And the four fluids are blood, yellow bile, mucus, and the black bile. And let's say if you have an excess of blood, then your temperament would be sanguinic and that would mean that you're more extroverted, more impulsive. And if you're too impulsive, of course, you'd want to treat that. And how they would do it back in those days would be to cut open like your arm or a part of your body to remove some of the excess blood. And that was, that was presumed to heal you from impulsivity. Another theory that has been along that has been around for quite some time is astrology and astrology tells us that personality is influenced by the position of the planets at the time of our birth. And why do you think that astrology has survived until today? What makes it so I don't know what makes it Well, stick to astrology people? is a pseudoscience. So there was no, there is no empirical evidence that can back it up, but also there is no empirical evidence that was able to disconfirm it. And on top of that, there's something interest. There's an interesting in effect in psychology called the Barnum effect, in which people have the tendency to see themselves in vague descriptions of personality. So. Uh, I don't know a lot of things about astrology, but I suppose the m main general statements you could hear is that Leos are impulsive. But, of course, that's a vague statement and it can be generalized to everyone because everyone is impulsive at times. And that is like one reason for why it can appeal to many. And what, be what would be some modern... Uh, theories about personality? There are some modern psychological theories about personality. Some are outdated, but others are still debated nowadays. 
One that is strongly debated nowadays would be Freud's psychoanalytical theory about would be Freud's psychoanalytical theory and he said that unconscious processes influence our behavior and these unconscious processes stem from our childhood experiences they let me say that again uh, one highly debated theory would be Freud's psychoanalytical theory of personality and he says that our childhood experiences actually unconsciously affect us and how our personality later on develops. Uh, another interesting perspective would be the behaviorist one, which says that there is nothing inherent about our personality. It's all about learned behavior, so how the environment affects your development. And basically, if you would change the environment of a person, the environment in which he grew, you would totally change their personality. And do you think that personality is, well, transmittable from generation to generation? Or is it like you said, the behaviorist perspective where behavior is, is constructed through the environment? This question is, could actually be generalized to a more popular topic in psychology right now, which is the nature-nurture debate. So how much of our psychological traits are inherited and how much of them are they gained through our experience with the environment? And I'd say that the common answer to all nature-nurture debates should be that it's both because you are born with some predispositions, let's say with even with mental disorders, like let's take schizophrenia for instance, you are born with the predisposition, biological predisposition of triggering the disorder or the psychological trait. However, you need a certain event in your life, often a traumatic, a traumatic event for the psychological disorder to trigger the onset of the disorder. And I think it's the same for personality traits. You have some innate predispositions to perhaps act in a more impulsive, emotional way. Let's say your amygdala is hyperactive, the amygdala being the region of the brain responsible for your emotions. And then there are other, there are certain things that happen in your childhood, which then nurture this predisposition in you. And then you end up having that certain psychological trait. Are there any other perspectives on personality traits? A quite recent perspective, which is also quite innovative, was Carl Rogers' humanistic perspective. He said that we are born with a positive image about ourselves, but childhood experiences and especially evaluations by others affect our self-esteem. So having a parent saying that I don't love you if you don't do your homework would be a, would place a condition on his appreciation and approval 
And lastly, there's also Bandura's social cognitive learning theory, in which the social environment is very important for the development of our personality and our behavior. And he said that people learn how to behave by observing others that are important or relevant to them. So in this sense, the personality of a child would be very similar to that of the child, to the personality of his or her caregiver. And what about all these perspectives? Like, are they, are they true? Are they false? How do they uh, uh, stack up to the science that we have today? Most of them, I'd say, did not receive enough empirical support to be able to pick one and consider it the main theory. Uh, they both have some empirical support, but also quite some criticism. Um, Freud, for instance, his method was not very scientific. So again, that's very problematic from a methodological point of view. However, there are certain new theories which are starting to gain more and more empirical evidence and the most popular i suppose would be the big five and as the name suggests there are five components central to personality central to our personality and those would be neuroticism so how impulsive or prone to negative emotions are we? Extraversion, openness to experience, agreeableness, and conscientiousness. And through answering a questionnaire, people can find out what amount of these traits they would have. Because these traits, let's say, are somewhat on a spectrum. So you can have a high amount of neuroticism, but you can also have like a medium amount of neuroticism. And what's special about these, about this big five theory is that many prediction studies proved its validity. So let's say as a child, you take this questionnaire and you score high on neuroticism, then you're more likely to have depression later in your life. And that received lots of empirical evidence. Uh, another example would be being high on openness to experience and on conscientiousness. On conscientiousness. And that is correlated with having a... That's correlated with academic achievement later in life. So this theory has received the most empirical support so far. It's not perfect, but I'd say it's the most valid to these days. Well, people really like certainty and predictability. And of course, that applies to events in our life. But it also applies to ourselves and our actions. And knowing what personality traits define you as well as then acting in accordance to these traits and thus confirming them, creates a consistent self-image. 
and of course that makes life less chaotic and stressful and more predictable and certain and that's why i think we are so interested about this topic about personality theories in general and it also applies to other people around us we like having certain images about them we like somewhat because it makes their actions more because it makes their actions more predictable as well and finally uh, this interview is getting to an end but not yet because i think also something interesting to me at least is yeah to like when i hear all the people that are saying okay i'm depressed because i didn't i, I had two bad days and i'm trying to explain to people why they're not depressed or they don't have bipolar disorder just because they're saying that what is your opinion on this i think that yeah indeed lots of people might misdiagnose themselves with having serious mental disorders like depression or bipolar disorder uh for reasons such as as you said being said like two or three days in a row uh however what is actually used by psychotherapists to properly diagnose someone is the guidelines in the DSM the diagnostic and statistical manual of mental disorders long name and it, apart from certain symptoms that the person should be exhibiting for a longer amount of time let's say for depression if i recall correctly it was 1 to 2 months of feeling depressed the most important thing common for all psychological disorders is the level of impairment it causes in your day-to-day -day life because a person suffering from such a disorder will not be able to function properly socially academically and so on and i would say that that's the most important cue that there is something going wrong with you and that you should seek help of course seeking help is helpful at any point when you need it but sometimes thinking that you're suffering from such a disorder can actually cause more distress and fear to the one thinking that he's suffering from that and yeah checking with a professional and yeah making sure that you are indeed suffering from such a mental disorder could be quite helpful and informative in this case well i think this was all the time that we had for today um very interesting discussions and you know thanks a lot for coming vanessa it was amazing having you thank you for inviting me it was great to be here and i think it's time to go to a very short break so the next song will be Uh, a song actually by Vita Devie, uh, which is an alternative rock band from Romania with influences from rap, jazz, and reggae. So I guess um, I will be leaving you with the song Liber by again Vita Devie. So enjoy.
The song that you just heard is Vita de Vie by Liber. So I hope everybody well liked the song because as as I mentioned in the beginning of the show, with all the music that we selected, we really wanted to highlight the essence of what Romania is. And this is a really nice song by a quite popular band. Um, but well, anyways, so unfortunately, this show is coming to an end. So it was really great. Well, discussing psychology, and I hope we can get back someday to it, uh, maybe with other topics. But again, I would like to thank our guest Vanessa so much for coming. It was absolutely amazing. And of course, I cannot end this show without giving a huge thank you to our co-host Maria. So thanks so much for, for being able to, to join us and for the very interesting discussion that we had um, well during the interview. Uh, thanks to you, Philip. Thanks for having me today, and it was really a pleasure to be here today. 
And uh, thank you to joining us today, guys. Well, with that said, I think we can go on to our next song that will close the show. So it's actually going to be a song also by, well, the band, the Romanian band Cum that we had a little bit before. But it's going to be a song named Strawberry Soul. So with that said, see you next week and stay safe. Strawberry